You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. we got a great episode lined up tonight. Last week we talked about the Big Ten East. We gave our preview there. Tonight we'll be talking about the Big Ten West preview. So... Uh, before we get into that, guys, we got to talk about Xavier Betts. Saturday, after the uh, scrimmage number two in fall camp, Matt Rule tells us that Xavier Betts has left the team. His heart's not in it. He's gone. Tyler, your reaction? Well, I mean, before we get into this, I think, you know, we, we all wish him well and hope he has a good life and. Everything I'm about to say is nothing different from that, but let me just say, this is my surprise face, everyone. If you can't <laughs> tell, I'm not surprised at all. What What is shocking is for the last couple months, how every time I've bagged on this wide receiver group, I've gotten a couple comments here and there, and that's not terrible from you guys, but a lot of people bring it up. You don't think Xavier Betts is going to be any good? And... I was like, well, he could be, but he also could do this. And I had my money on some version of this happening. This was a very predictable outcome. Derek, your thoughts? This is a big kick in the nuts. I, I, I guess I'm not overall shocked. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm a little more shocked than Tyler is apparently, but. I just the guy worked so hard to get back to get back to being able to compete on this team, just to just throw it all away. I just it just blows me away. I, I can't understand it. And, and our receiver room really looks bad now. Like losing him, uh, not having Marcus Washington practicing. I mean, it sounds it sounds like he's going to be back sometime this week. But even if like, he's going to get what a week and a half of practice. I mean, we, we got Billy Kemp and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. That's our receiver room right now. Well, I'll with, s- with with of guys with with actual experience. Well, I'll say this about Xavier Betts: as much as Husker fans hated to hear that, I mean, feel for this dude. He's the one that had to tell the coach, "It's like, hey, my heart's not in this. I don't want to play." You know, he tried to come back. Who knows why he tried to come back? Was he doing it for him? Was he doing it for others? If your heart's not into it and you don't really want to do it, it's got to be miserable. I watched the uh, that Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix, and he just wanted to get away when he was at Cleveland. Him getting cut at Cleveland is like a, a whole, all this weight lifted off of him. It was a great thing. I don't know if you guys watched it yet. Oh, oh it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of almost the same thing, you know. And uh, my wife actually asked me about this. She's like, uh, do you think that it was easier for him to make that decision because he saw the Johnny Manziel documentary? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe not, but it is kind of uh, an interesting correlation there a little bit. But no, Xavier Betts, he was going to be a key figure in this receiving core, a receiving core that was you know, uh, not overly impressive on paper. 
And I, I disagree. I think it did look overly impressive. Not overly impressive, but I think it looked impressive with him in a healthy Mar- uh, Marcus Washington. Like, but, I think it. I, I think the top four guys were like, all right, we this is above serviceable. This is probably the most depth we've had that I felt for a while. Yeah, see, Derek, that's where I disagree. Because, okay, so yes, this Why? is... We have th- one guy we threw two last year. One guy. We have we had at least had three or four guys like I was like we can actually throw to these guys. Okay, but one of those and now guys, I'm sitting here now I'm sitting here going is our Isaiah Garcia Castaneda a bad game away from quitting the team too? Well, okay, so but Derek, you say we had one guy to throw to last year. It but Washington was the here last year. IGC at least was here to start the season last year. So it wasn't like we had one guy because all these guys weren't on this roster, like. Three of them were, and the other one was Xavier Betts. Could have been on the roster, but didn't stick it out to get to that point in the season. So, like, to me, it's like, oh, it's... Yeah, this- and then you get him back. So it was like, okay, cool. Like, you obviously saw the potential. You're like, gosh, if this kid j- could just put it together, it just... I There was a play in the spring game when he, you know, he I don't know if he ran, ran a wrong route or bad throw or something happened. And, he, like, I remember him getting up and, like, looked frustrated. I just little things like that. I just don't think he ever. He just never, whatever it was, the whole time he never made it click, and it's a shame. But I think it's shame on you for expecting it all of a sudden too. I mean, I give Justin a hard time because he writes guys off after two years, but like I'm also not buying a ton of stock in these guys if they haven't done anything, and that's what boat he was in. So what you're saying is you actually agree with me. You just like busting my balls. I I would say that I I don't look at a guy who hasn't contributed in a few years and say, well, that guy's going to be a stud all of a sudden. There's probably a middle ground in here. Yes, where but you see, not you've seen the potential with Xavier Benz. It's not like it was just a Thomas Fedoni thing where you know he has potential. Like you actually seen the potential out of Xavier Betts. You you did you did, but you saw a lot of no show games from him also. Kind of like an Omar Manning. No, you never seen any potential. <laughs> Tyler hates that because Tyler was a huge fan of Omar Manning. Look at the end of the day. I mean, you you can sit here and scoff at it and make it seem like it's not a big deal. But losing Xavier Betts is, is a big deal for this wide receiver. I agree. Well, it, sure, it is a big sure. deal. Huge deal. Whatever I thought. He, I thought he was going to be one of our four best, four most snaps going into game one. That, that I don't know where I thought saw the season going, but I saw him as a top four wide receiver. And yes, he obviously had the potential. To now be we don't have the, top four. We don't, we, we've got like top three. You watch your mouth. Alex Bull is co- coming along. And... I mean, okay, we're, we're relying on Brody Belt 2.0. <laughs> maybe but uh i'm just looking for that uh the screenshot i sent you guys but basically uh it was ty Han and alex bullock those are guys that are getting snaps with the ones right now and at the beginning of the year well not at the beginning of the year we'll say back in uh spring camp if you thought that you would hear ty Han and alex bullock taking snaps if with you the even ones, knew who alex bullock was this spring, I would be shocked. Yeah. His brother, maybe. Yeah. Not him. Yep. You're right. I had... Ty Han, we've heard. We've heard his name before. Yeah. 
I, actually, I was shocked that Ty Han was still on the roster. It seems like he's been here for a while now, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, wasn't his brother Samuel Han, and wasn't he basically the exact same? Like, I think you're getting them interchanged. Like, no, 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 no. Ty Han receiver, yeah. But uh, no, it's it's going to be interesting in the wide receiver room, and it feels like every single week we talk about the wide receiver room because there's issues that come up with uh, people getting banged up, like Marcus Washington, for instance. Well, Ty- and- Tyler, will be happy because I'm on board with you guys now. That room sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> happy is not the word I would use. But I would say the Washington injury has me more spooked than Betts leaving. And and granted, you, you know, you expect Washington to be back. But, you know, it's a new offense. It's a new quarterback. Everything's new. You know, a month ago, I thought he was a guy that could be right there with Kemp as our number one wide receiver. I, I thought it was... Probably the edge goes to Kemp, but it was not a far gap between those two. Who and, knows? Maybe Thomas Fedoni is our new well, top receiver. It, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right now. If you're in Nebraska, what you are hoping for is that the NCAA so we gives, can run the ball. Well, you can run the ball, and that Gilbert gets that waiver. I, I think that you really need those extra weapons in the tight end room because you know the days of eight wide receivers. Remember when we used to talk oh. about eight? I mean. I don't know I mean, how we get to five. You, you have to hope that Gilbert can catch a ball, unlike the spring game. Well, but you, what you really need to hope, I mean, I'm not going to write him off off the spring game, but I, I just think that you're really hoping that tight end room can come in there because I think we're going to be four or five. Now, where the positive on the wide receiver room is, it does sound like these freshmen are beginning to get up to speed. Uh, Malachi Coleman is beginning to get a little bit more in the reps. And, you know, while game one, I don't expect to see a heavy dose of freshman wide receivers. I do think as the season progresses, those guys can start to get more and more reps as they develop in it, and hopefully as the season evolves, we start to see, see some... Sounds, to, to me, it sounds like Jaden Doss is quite a bit ahead of Malachi Coleman right now. Well, what's... You hear you hear his name, at least, at least according to On3, Husker Online, whatever you want to call it. According to them, you hear Jaden Doss being brought up what? much more. You heard Lloyd. Jalen Lloyd, you hear, but even, yeah, even Jalen Lloyd, I think you hear brought, being brought up more in Malachi Coleman. Both of those guys. So, so my take on that is that's more of a like it's a surprise they are where they are. I we'll see. I mean, who knows what will happen week one? But I I do expect Malachi Coleman to be out there playing week one. <clears throat> so we we all know that there's a lot of young, fast, new uh, freshman wide receivers. But we're going from a point where, you know, it'd be nice to have some of these guys contribute. We were having the conversations who can contribute. Now that sh- that conversation is shifting, it's like somebody needs to contribute from that freshman group. They need to contribute. Well, to it's either that stuff. or Josh Fleeks. Yeah, but but still, I mean, who was sent home for being overweight? Yeah, but he's a seventh year guy. I mean, he's working on his doctrine right now. He needs to put down the books, hit the gym, and be a something for a contributor. I, and I say that kind of half at you know, kind of a smart ass for people listening. I don't really actually think he's working on his doctrine, but I, I mean, you brought him in. You know, I mean, rule. You brought this kid in. You give him a scholarship. He's a six-year senior. You got to get something out of him, and even if it's just. 10 to 12 snaps a game, but he should be in a position 
Like, there's no excuse why two walk-ons and three freshmen have completely passed him up. And I'm not saying that's what's happened, but that that's what... You got to get a little bit more out of him than that. So I agree. So again, there was a fall scrimmage this weekend on Saturday, and coming out of that, uh, out of the presser with Matt Rule, you walked away thinking that the defense dominated the offense in that scrimmage, and it was uh, kind of like a no shit moment. It's like, oh my god, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from the kickoff. This is going on. What is, uh, what's up? Well, today, Matt Rule speaks to the media, and he kind of walks back those statements a little bit. Maybe even a lot, actually, right? He's saying that, you know, he was pointing to more of the procedural issues and, uh, you know, getting uh, in and out of the huddle, getting off the field. Derek, how worried are you on this offense? I... I will tell you this after after Saturday, I, I was in like high dive deep, falling off the cliff with this offense. Like I, it was scary. Uh, he with him backtracking a little bit. I guess maybe not quite as. I'm still pretty close to the edge though. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's so hard to tell because. Even Saturday, because I, I raised this question to some people uh, at work yesterday, uh, Monday, uh, yes, uh, Monday, we'll say. Uh, you know, he talked about the defense dominating, but he never gave any specifics about how the defense actually dominated. Like, he talked about the defense dominating, and then he turned, talked, turned around and talked about the procedural issues. Well, the procedural issues have nothing to do with the defense. You know, and then you got Satterfield coming out and talking about how as as the scrimmage went on, the offense got better. Okay, that's fine. Uh and now and now he's backtracking and again he's making it sound like they were moving the ball fine and that, that we had the best pass protection we've ever had. But that wasn't his reaction on Saturday. <laughs> no, it was not. And so I guess it's all confusing at this point because it's all, I guess it's all coach speak, right? Like, is is that in that category? Maybe today was coach speak, but I think we got an honest assessment from Matt Rule on Saturday. That's what I, I think, Tyler. So I I guess my question to you guys is: Are you surprised, or did you expect our offense to be better than our defense? No. But I expect it to be better than what this is right now, from what we're hearing. You know, from from going back to what we saw in the spring game, which was not impressive whatsoever. Uh, there was flashes of some good stuff. But overall, it, was, it wasn't a good offense. And then you hear in the first scrimmage this fall where the defense uh, took it to the offense. And then in the second one, more of the same thing, and it's walked well, back. The first one's tough to really get anything off of because it wasn't really a major scrimmage. Like, sure, it was. I mean, it was a little more two hand touch type ish scrimmage. Where this one was like an actual full contact scrimmage. Like, but but so I say all that to say, like, I, I guess I I expected our defense to be better. I think that one of the things about scrimmages that you don't entirely see is you know these guys they don't go out there and play sixty minutes. And as games go on, typically that favors the offense, especially a running attack. Another thing in a scrimmage you don't typically see is the full contact on quarterbacks. 
even if they say they're taking the quarterbacks to the ground, I'm sure they're not running hit, uh, Sims like they are planning on Saturday or Saturdays in the fall. I expect that to be a little bit different. So I do think there are some wrinkles and stuff that do favor this offense. Now, if this was a Mark Whipple offense and we were just airing it out and we were still getting, how's it be like? Well, that's what we're going to do in the fall. But I think there's some things that do give this offense hope. But the baseline is like I just don't. I think our defense is better than our offense. I thought that from day one. I think the two best position groups on this team are both in the defense. I think the better coordinators on the defense. I think the better depth is on the defense. Like there's, I just the offense is more injured right now. Like I just think all point signs point to this defense just being a better unit. And so where you guys have been like, well, this is just a bad sign for our offense. I'm gonna have have half. A half glass half full of whiskey tonight <laughs> and i am going to say that means our defense is coming along just just splendid just, oh my god amazing. say it tyler say it top 25 say defense. It. no i'm not not, not going to top 25 but <laughs> you top, want to top 35 top 35 I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what the way they're talking it better be a top 25 defense or we're probably not winning much for games yeah so so tyler just to uh, just to be sure. So all of this talk about the offense, you're not worried whatsoever. It, it's confirmation bias, right? Like I've, I've talked about that before. Like I did not expect our passing attack to be good. I, I never have. I have from the moment that I knew this was going to be our passing attack of Jeff Sims and Billy Kemp and whoever else you want to throw in at wide receiver. I was like, well, that's not going to be a very good passing attack. That's not going to look like anything we've seen over the last decade at Nebraska. And I, so I'm not shocked. And I do think the strengths of this team are going to come more into things you'll see in a real game scenario where, hey, fourth quarter, let's, we have multiple running backs that can carry the ball. We have a little bit more depth at offensive line than we've had over previous years. We should hopefully be able to wear down teams. You have Jeff Sims, who we know can run the ball. Like, I think those are things that are going to favor us actually in real game scenario more than a scrimmage. So, no, I, I am my my concern for this offense has not increased one iota except for the fact that Marcus Washington is still injured. So let's flip to special teams real quick because well, hold, on, hold on, let's talk about the run game because you're not hearing anybody talk about the run game like you were in the spring. Like nobody's bringing this up. Like, I, I what do you mean? Matt Rule talks about the run game, that they want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. Who's running it? Like, the, like When I would listen to his press conference, the only, heard, the only running back I really heard him bring up was uh, Emmett Johnson. He was talking about him going out to wide receiver, basically. He was basically talking about him like everybody talks about Ramirez Johnson. I haven't heard anybody really bring up Gabe Irvin. Uh, I, I, did, I did hear that... Uh, uh, Anthony Grant was do, doing some of the off the field things better, and so, some of the some of the things in practice a little bit better. And he's finally starting to take some practice with the ones, but we're not hearing about us being able to run the ball against this defense. Yeah, I, I, I've yet to hear anybody talk about the the run game being successful. But again, it's so hard when we're not. We're not there. We don't know what it looks like. I, I mean, and I understand that, but you would think it would get brought up at some point that, like, yeah, the run game looks really good right now. 
So I think all, all you're here, all you're hearing is that the pass game looks bad. Nobody's even mentioning the run game. So without getting into specifics, I mean Jared Denardo beat uh, beat when BTN was there at practice. They said the the running game looks strong. Passing game uh, they struggled, but the run game looks strong. The offensive See, line. I, looks I guess strong. maybe I missed that part. I heard, I remember hearing him say Jeff Sims looks strong running the ball. I don't know. Well, we will see. But I, there's one more thing I want to talk about that came out of the scrimmage, Tyler, because uh, you don't have any worries about the off- offense or defense. But what about special teams? Because Matt Rule talked about that there were some uh, inconsistencies at the kicker spot. And, you know, we have Timmy Bleakroad, who uh, was here last year, did a pretty darn good job. We have Tristan, Tristan Alvano coming in. Uh, high school phenom. What what did you think when you heard that the kickers were struggling in the scrimmage? What do you make of it? Well, I mean, th- that worries me. Because to me, the, the blueprint for Nebraska this year is, okay, we can, we're, we're good at running the football. We're good on defense. And we have at least average special teams. That, that, that is the formula to get us where I think we need to go. And the most important part of special teams, in my opinion, is the ability to make your field goals. And, and again, it's hard to tell with context because I've heard part of the misses were missing a 50-yard field goal. And it's like, okay, well, I, I don't, the world is not ending if we can't make a high percentage of 50-yard field goals. But I'm going to take it a little bit more because Rule did bring it up that I'm assuming is a little bit more. That is something that has to get fixed. They have to fix that. And the the struggle thing for me, though, is that is probably the hardest thing for a special teams coach to fix is a bad kicking situation. Because you, it's really hard to get that rhythm figured out. It's not like kickoff returns or punt coverage where you can kind of scheme around. It's really helping that kid be in the right mentality to be able to make the kicks. And that that is that is scary if we're two weeks away with two scholarship kickers and that isn't good. Derek? Kind of feels like White Snake a little bit. Here we go again. <laughs> How long did you have that one queued up? <laughs> <laughs> just since you brought it up. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just... I, I Alvano or the the new freshman phenom kicker, Tristan Alvano is that his name? I, I was I wasn't putting a lot of stock into him yet because he's a freshman, young kid, just getting here. Wasn't expecting him to just come in and win that job like a lot of other people are. Uh, it, it's it's a lot to ask out of a freshman, even even at a kicker. And I know he. Made a lot of field goals in Memorial Stadium already in the cha- in the state championship, but you were talking about probably a thousand fans in the stands rather than ninety thousand. Makes a big difference. Uh, Bleak Road, we know what we got in Bleak Road, and it's serviceable. Yeah, he was fine last year. Nine for twelve last year. He he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he was serviceable. And, I, and I, right now, that's why I'm going to count both of our kickers. And maybe the scrimmage was just a bad day. I don't know. 
But I'm hoping we can rely on the kickers a little bit better than we did last year. Or, well, the previous five years, I'll say, overall. But I don't have a ton of faith that we're going to be able to. Again, now that's where it gets scary. Because, again... That I don't see a high power offense. I think it's going to get more challenging to score in the red zone when you don't have as much of a threat of passing. I mean, Billy Kemp being your number one wide receiver, I don't expect him to be a go, you know, catch him on a fade route in the corner of the end zone type guy and just toss it up and see what happens. So, well, that's where your Thomas Fedoni needs to come in. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, you need I. Whatever the reason is, I think we're going to need field goal kicks to a lot more this year than perhaps we've needed in the past. Well, I'm going to do a plug right here because this whole conversation that we're having here has me kind of excited because this Friday uh, we're all we'll all be in Lincoln. We're going over to Ken's house of the Generation Red podcast. We're going over there to do our third annual over under uh, game. So I'm really curious to see what everybody thinks when we go over the over and unders for uh, offensive, defensive categories to include scoring and special teams and whatever is on that list to do it. Because uh, I can see see a lot of unders right now from uh, this conversation, on, uh, especially when it comes to offense. I see a lot of unders, but we'll see. But uh, everybody everybody, uh, look for that episode coming out. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, recording live there Friday. We're going to be in town. We'll be in Omaha for the Nebraska Podcast Awards show. A lot of great pod- Husker podcasts will be there. That's going to be a great time. That's at the Nebraska Brewing Company. It's going to be a great weekend. I'll be playing golf with the Cousins and the Generation Red Podcast. So uh, playing with Scott and Ken. Uh, hopefully their game is a lot better than the uh, golf videos that they've posted. Otherwise, uh, Tyler, you're riding with them. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, okay, guys, let's get into the Big Ten West preview. We did the Big Ten East preview last week. That was a lot of fun. For the purpose of this episode, we are only going to cover six teams out of the West. We are not going to discuss Nebraska. We will do Nebraska in a... Uh, next week's episode, I think, is when we're doing it. Uh, so we're just going to do the six. So I'm going to kick it off here with Illinois. We're going to be talking about reasons that teams will be good, reasons teams might be bad, and uh, have a little bit of discussion here. We're going to have a lot of fun. So I'm going to start it off with Illinois. They were 8-5 and five last year, 5-4 and four in conference. They returned six on offense, six on defense. So... Uh, I guess uh, the good thing about Illinois is their defense is still going to be good. Their defense gave up 274 yards per game last year. They're going to be tough. Uh, They returned some uh, people on the defensive line like Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph. Those dudes are studs, probably first team, all-conference players there. They also return wide receiver Isaiah Williams, he had 715 yards last year for Illinois, led the team, and he's also dynamic. He's one hell of a playmaker right there. He also returns punts. Uh, there's another duo there, or a, another guy at wide receiver that they're bringing back, 
with Pat Bryant. He had 453 yards last year. They're going to have a good offensive line. Uh, uh, I want to go back to the defense because I left this part out here, talking about the defensive line. Illinois, they return their four top sack leaders. I mean, they, they can get some sacks, generate some sacks. So a lot of good things in Brett Bielma's uh, third year. So the bad. What is the bad? Well, they lose their defensive coordinator from last year, Ryan Walters, who we all know went to Purdue. Uh, they'll be starting a new quarterback, uh, most likely the, the transfer from Ole Miss, Luke Altmeyer. And the biggest thing that they lost was Chase Brown. Chase Brown at running back was a stud last year. Six, 1,600 yards and uh, 10 touchdowns. But, you know, uh, Reggie Love, who backed him up last year, he was very serviceable. So it's going to be a drop-off there at running back, but behind that offensive line and that talented Reggie Love, I mean, he's going to put up some yards. So uh, overall, I like this Illinois team. Uh, they seem to be trending. The biggest question mark is how is that defense truly going to operate without Ryan Walters? They got a lot of playmakers on defense, but was it the playmakers or was it Walters for all that success? Uh, Derek. Well, I think one thing you left out there was they also picked up a, a pretty decent defensive analyst and uh Yeah. Uh, Jim, Jim Leonard. Leonard. Jim Leonard. Yep, I did leave that out. Like, I, I, I mean, that guy should be a defensive coordinator anyway, right? Or whatever. They, they picked him up as a defensive analyst. He will have that. He will have that defense going in the right direction, even though he can't be an on the field uh, defensive uh, coach. Bielma always has great defenses. Rusen Ryan Walters, I'm not going to sit here and scoff at it and be like, oh, that's not a big deal. I don't know how much of it was him and how much of it was Bielma. But the the, the playmakers are there. Like, you talk about that Jerzon Newton. That guy is probably an All-American type player. I mean, he's, he's a stud. He's a stud. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think Reggie Love is going to be a really, really good running back. I, I I, he is a drop off from Chase Brown. I because Chase Brown was one of those generational type running backs, but I don't think he's a far drop off. Like I think he's going to be pretty good, especially behind that offensive line. Who again, Brett Bielma tends to have going in the right direction, most generally speaking. Uh. Yeah, I, I I think Illinois is going to be a pretty tough team to beat this year. Tyler. Well, so I will say, Illinois, of the six teams we are going to be talking about tonight, and of the seven teams we talked about last week, there is no team that is harder for me to predict than Illinois. So the 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 reasons what give me a lot of apprehension on Illinois, you guys kind of hit on them, but Chase Brown... I mean, Derek, I think you're underselling it. I think he is the best running back in at least the last 15 years at Illinois. I mean, if you're putting together an all-time Illinois player list, I don't know Illinois football in and out, but does he make the top 20 all-time Illinois football players? Perhaps. Like, he is an all-time player at that university. Another guy they lost is Tommy DeVito. 
And I was skeptical of Tommy DeVito for quite a while. But you know what? He played pretty good for them. And I don't know if you're going to get the same out of Luke Altmaier. Luke Altmaier has barely ever seen the field. So it's not like he's coming with a lot of experience. And you guys already talked about it. Losing Ryan Walters, I think, is a big loss. We will see. But not just losing him. They lost three members of their secondary to the NFL. And I know that Illinois has still a really good front seven. But if you look at just pure talent recruiting rankings, Illinois is dead last in the Big Ten in the last five-year recruiting rankings. And so... Is that everything? No, of course not. But Illinois isn't just a team that has a pedigree by any measure to just reload three guys they put in the NFL. So those give me concerns. On top of that, I think Illinois has the toughest non-conference schedule in the Big Ten. I think Toledo is favored to win the MAC. They play Florida Atlantic with Casey Thompson and... Derek, I know you love that Kansas game at Kansas. They could go 3-0. and They could go 1-2 and in those games. They definitely could drop a couple of those games. So all that together gives me a lot of apprehension. The reasons you like them, that front seven is going to be dynamic. That offensive line is going to be good. And you guys haven't even addressed their wide receiver room, which their wide receiver room barely address their wide receiver room which their wide receiver room I think is being undersold as they might be one of the top one or two wide receiver rooms in the Big Ten West so they're really dynamic led by Isaiah Williams so there's a lot of things to like about them uh, a lot of things that scare you this team could go all over hardest team to, for me to predict tonight well I gotta tell you I think you're absolutely batshit crazy if you think they're losing to Florida Atlantic or Toledo. So so you, Kansas, I can see going either way. I think Toledo's a better team than Kansas. Uh, what? Really? To, Toledo's okay. going to win the MAC. The MAC? Well, Justin thinks that team deserves a playoff berth. They do in a 16-team playoff. <laughs> I don't know about it. I don't know. I, 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 th- I, I think you're lo- losing your mind on that one. I, I, look, t- can- Kansas could go either way. I, I do think Illinois has a slight edge in that game. but I must say they won't go 3-0. No. I'm just saying it, it's on the board. It is but, on but the I board can see the Kansas going either way. But I, I, there's no way I could see them being 1-2. and two. No way. I'm just trying to turn the page to Toledo to see what Tyler loves about Toledo so much, but that's okay. I, I can't. Say, I can't say I've scouted Toledo in depth. I'm just. I'm listening to the to the experts here. All right. Well, the experts are wrong because Illinois will not lose to Toledo. I'm not saying they are going to lose. I'm just. I my. Point I don't is, think any of the experts are claiming that Toledo is going to beat Ohio. No, I, I'm not Illinois. saying that people are saying they're going to win. I'm just saying that is a scary game for Illinois right out the gates. Like, that is a game that's going to be interesting. I Again, and, and if you don't think they have the toughest non-conference schedule, all in, all three teams they play, tell me the team that has a tougher one. I would say Purdue has a tougher one. We'll get to Purdue in a Virginia minute. Virginia Tech and Syracuse? Fresno two State. Two power five teams? Fresno State. Sounds like uh, this is something that we should have discussed on an off-season <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but 
but yeah, I think I think Illinois is tough. So yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. And I think that yeah, uh, I would. I know we're about to get to predictions and over unders, but this is one I would you couldn't. I would never bet. I will. I this is a stay away. A stay prediction. away. Okay, stay so the hell away. So it's six and a half wins. That is the over under for Vegas. I have over. I have over by a game and a half. Derek. I have over. I have I haven't won the nine wins this year. Wow, Tyler, I have over also. Oh, okay. Um, again, I just so I, me and I you were eight, we're talking about one game. We're talking about eight, one I game difference. I, no, I have them eight and four too. Oh, you do? I, yeah, I have them eight and four. But like when I so we're was, all within one game. Yeah, like, I have. I don't think we're saying, I'm just saying that this team. We're going to talk about teams later on that I'm like. If you told me I was throwing a dart. I could probably feel like I can guess within a game or two. Illinois could go four and eight, and that would not shock me. It that would, would shock, not shock me. It wouldn't shock me. It would all. shock me. It would. It would blow me away. I, I think Brett Bielma is too good of a coach to allow that team to play that poorly. I, I am not. I have not crowned Brett Bielma yet. Like he needs to show me a little bit more. Let's see if he can do it again. <laughs> Those conference championships that he has. It, in the Big Ten years a yeah. decade ago, those the, don't the, count. The most Big Ten cha- conference championships out of any coach in the Big Ten right now. Okay, first of all, what? Tell me a little bit more lately, because going back to twenty twelve. Okay, is let's not talk exactly about let's that. talk about his Arkansas. Yeah, let's let's bring that up. Well, uh, well, let's talk about his time at Illinois. I mean, he's been there a few years, guys, and it's not like just, he just got there. He he has a losing record at Illinois. He's twenty nine and thirty four. I'm sorry. That's that's not true at all. This is his third year. This is his third year. year. He had a five and seven. I had his Arkansas record. record. I had his Arkansas record pulled up. Sorry, twenty nine thirty four at Arkansas. He took thirteen and twelve. Are you on ESPN dot com again? He's at thirteen and twelve at Illinois. He took a two win team to a friggin' five win team to an eight win team. But he's doing it terrible, terrible. Okay, then you guys go bet the house on Illinois. I'm on. You bet, 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 bet big money. If it on has Illinois. the Tyler kiss of death. I I said over. I with you guys. I just think that there's a lot of uncertainty with this team. I mean, tell me what again? You guys scoff at losing Chase Brown for them. You guys are like, oh yeah, you know what? It's not a big deal losing Chase Brown. I'm not. Just I'm like not it wasn't scoffing. a big deal when Lamar and Dominican Sue. What? I'm not scoffing at it. Let's let's not compare those two. I mean. I'm not scoffing at it. I just think that they have their offensive line is pretty damn strong. And they return three out of the five guys on an offensive line. They do. They do. They, they'll have a good offensive line. And Brett Bielma always has a good offensive line. Brett Bielma's always had a good offensive line. All right. We got to move on here. We talked, we talked a lot about Illinois there. So next team, Iowa. And uh, Tyler, that's you. Yeah, so, I mean, this, the story of Iowa heading into the year is kind of a similar story to what I expected over the last couple years. So the last two years, Iowa's defense has been good enough to be a playoff team, and their offense has been barely capable of being considered a Division One offense. Um, a big reason why they've struggled is their quarterback has been a mess with Spencer Petras and Padilla. And those two guys are gone, or I think they're, I think Padilla might still be there. Actually, I'm not certain if he's on scholarship anymore, but 
But they have brought in Cade McNamara, and that does set them up to kind of clean up their quarterback room. I think instantaneously he becomes the best quarterback in the Big Ten West and will give them a lot of stability there. They also bring in Eric All, who is from Michigan, so there'll be a little bit of a um, familiarity. And they also have Luke Lackley at tight end. Their tight end room is shaping up to be one of the better fronts in there. Um, Last year, their offensive line was young and kind of bad. I do expect them to be a little bit better this year. And then on the defensive side, they do lose a lot of guys. Um, They do return three uh, out of four of their honorable mention All-Big Ten and an All-Big Ten player in uh, Cooper DeJean, defensive back. And the storyline of their defense is Phil Parker. He has earned the right to say that his team just reloads. I mean, it's been enough years now where he just pulls it together. And maybe the hidden strength of this team is their punter of Tory Taylor might be an all-American punter. So I was going to do what I was going to do, and that's kind of how I see it going. The difference is this year they have a more than capable quarterback that should hopefully offset the shit they've had the last couple years. Of course, he uh, kind of walked off the field injured this weekend. And uh, injury to be determined at this point. I have not heard what that injury is, but it sounded like it's a leg injury of some sort, maybe knee. I have not heard the specifics, but um, I, I saw that too. I guess I kind of wrote it off as nothing since there was like no follow up reports on it. Yeah, I I don't know. That's that's something to keep an eye on though, right? Because uh, that whole that whole Iowa that offense changes without Cade McNamara. It change. It also changes with people not betting the under on the team, <laughs> right? Uh, wh- one of the things. Speaking of the gambling uh, thing, I reached out to Jeffrey the Greek. You know, uh, he's he's the Iowa guy. He knows all, and I wanted to just cheat. Cheat. I didn't want to do the Google thing and ask what players are affected. What active players are affected by? Uh, the gambling scandal going on. And uh, one of the names that he gave to me is uh, defensive tackle Noah Shannon. He's rumored to be involved. He's a, he's a starter at defensive tackle. Uh, he did not go to Big Ten Media Days because of this these rumors. Uh, but we, they don't know the, what the penalty is for him. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, so... But no other players, active players, are involved. Well, no, no meaningful, no other meaningful uh, active players are involved in the gambling scandal, which is kind of funny. But Derek, your thoughts on Iowa? Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at their schedule. They have a decent crossover schedule with only pull on Penn State, which that's a very tough game. But they only get Michigan State and Rutgers behind them. Uh, the defense, I expect wholeheartedly to be top 10 defense as per usual. I mean, and, and you guys talk about K McNamara. If he's healthy, then that offense will be better automatically, I think. Uh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't find a lot wrong with Iowa. I, they get returned nine on offense and seven on defense, according to Phil Steele. Uh, 
And it was a good team. Like They returned their whole offensive line. Tyler, you talked about them being young and maybe a little inconsistent last year. But you expect them to take a, a step forward. Uh, and when you return the whole offensive line, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, plus, you got Luke Lachey, probably one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, great, great little thing for K. McNamara to have for a weapon. I, I again, I, I kind of struggle to find a lot of weaknesses with Iowa, other than what going back to what their offense has been previously. Brian Ferentz is th- probably their weakness, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, yes. They they probably have the, some of the best special teams in the country, one of the best defenses in the country, and all they need is a is a mediocre offense. And even Brian Ferentz should be able to come up with a mediocre offense with this quarterback. What do you think of their schedule? I mean, they kind of uh, draw. They go on the road to Penn State. Uh, that's a tough game. That's a tough game. Absolute tough game. They get uh, Ruggers and Michigan State. So those are two are easy. I mean, yeah. I mean, their their non conference is basically the same as every other year. Two low teams in Iowa State. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, and so, on I mean, their. On their schedule, I mean, they, they go to Wisconsin, but the team we just talked about that you guys are re- – I mean, we're all decently high on. Illinois, they get them at home. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be good. Um, Minnesota at home. Minnesota at home. So they do they do seem to – except drawing a, a, a scary end-of-the-season trip to Lincoln. I mean, the, their, their home record – I mean, they get a lot of the other teams you would want to get at home. They get Purdue at home. They get North- outside outside of Penn State and Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, and Iowa State. Every, but- every other game that you won at home is at home. For. Yeah, so I'm just uh, looking forward to playing them without Jack Campbell. That that and that's and that's probably one of the things that you could talk about being. I don't know if you want to call it a weakness or a scary thing for him, but losing Jack Campbell. I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah. And Seth Benson, he's gone also. Uh, okay. Anything else on Iowa? No, we've said enough good things about them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the over-under on Iowa is eight and a half. By the way, all of these lines are from uh, Circa Circa in Vegas. So I have over on this on this Iowa team. Derek? I ha- I have over. Yeah, over as well, and a lot more confident than I was with Illinois. Okay, fair enough. All right, Minnesota to you, Derek. All right, so Minnesota, I, I'm, I'm going to talk first about the strengths, and, and the, the strength is about the the, the way is, is PJ Fleck, right? Like I know Tyler hates PJ Fleck. I know and they have the same haircut. I mean, why does he hate him? <laughs> but but. The, the, the thing is, is, like, you can't deny it. He's a good coach. You can hate him all you want. But the things he's done at Minnesota have been nothing short of amazing. I mean, what did they end up with last year? Nine and four, and I think 11 wins a year before that. Uh, I don't know. I, I like P.J. Flag. I think he's a good coach. Yeah. Maybe, I don't like, maybe I don't have to like him as a person, but I think he's a good coach. Well, it seems like uh, they're one of those teams. Every every year they expect 
Minnesota to have a down year. They never do. And they never do. They got eighth in Kaliak minus. I'm sure I... Kaliak minus? TJ Butcher shopped the shit out of that one. Tyler, what, what's that name? I think Derek got it close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know he played against Nebraska last year a little bit. And he, matter of fact, he played in 11 games last year. So it's not that we haven't heard this guy's name. Just pronouncing his name's a little tougher. Uh, but I, I'm going to say this. Now, Tyler, you want to talk about losing a generational guy. These guys lost Mo, uh, Ibrahim, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. And that was a huge loss. Not only did they lose him, but they lost Trey Pop, uh, Trey Potts, who transferred to Penn State. And he was a very damn good running back right behind him. As a matter of fact, I think uh, not last year, the year before when, when Ibrahim went down, Trey Potts came in and played very, very well. So to lose your top two running backs who were that good it has to scare you a little bit. Especially when that's what you rely on. Like, they're a running team. Yes, they're going to throw the ball. And they have good weapons to throw to. They got Chris Ottman-Bell coming back. They got uh, Brevin Spanford coming back, who's probably, again, I know I talked about uh, Iowa's uh, uh, Lachey being one of the best tight ends in the country. Spanford's right up there with him. Uh, They do lose a lot in the offensive line which I, I think has to be a little bit concerning for Minnesota. Though, though they always seem to have a few extra guys to play. So uh, I, I expect to see a lot of the same thing out of P.J. Fleck, like seven offensive linemen on the field and just run it up the gut. Because that's what he does. Uh, defensively, you know, they, they lost Mary Soren, finally. I mean, that guy was there for like 15 years. So he's finally gone. So that, I mean, I probably hurts you a little bit. But overall, they got four of their top 10 tacklers coming back. Their de- their defense will still be good. I, I don't doubt that one bit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think this overall is probably a little tough to come back from last year. And their schedule sets up a lot worse than last year's. Getting Ohio State and Michigan. With Michigan State, whether you want to consider that one tough or not, but those that, that crossover is pretty tough for Michigan or Minnesota this year. And they got one hell of an out-of-conference game with North Carolina. Yes. That, I'm excited for that game. That'll be a good one. Well, and it's at North Carolina. That guy, that's a very tough game. Well, let's just stick on that schedule a little bit. So you you mentioned having Ohio State and uh, um, Michigan, which is just awful. Um, that, that is that is the duo you do not want. But like, look at some of the way these other games match up. So I, I not to tip our hand, but I'm guessing two of the teams we think are going to be worse in the West are going to be Purdue and Northwestern. We'll see what we say here in a little bit. Stay tuned. But they go on the road for both of those games. And obviously that gives the, the team a little bit more chance to win. They also uh, have to go to Iowa. Um, you already mentioned in North Carolina. Like, that is a tough sled of games. But on the field, I mean, Derek, you mentioned losing Mo Ibrahim. You're 100% right. Generational guy. 
they lose Tanner Morgan. And I, I don't think anyone would classify him as a generational guy. But is there a downgrade at quarterback? Maybe slightly. Like, I think that it isn't nothing losing a guy with that much big game experience. Uh, I, I will I will say this, because Tanner Morgan went down against Nebraska. And we looked like we were going to win that game at that point. Yeah. And then when he, then when Calumet, Kaliak Manas came in, they looked a lot better. They, they, now, they I, do, I don't That doesn't necessarily mean that he's better than Tanner Morgan, but I did think that our offense looked a lot better. I, I, I think, I, I mean, I, th- I don't think it's a huge downgrade, I, but I, I don't think it's nothing. Um, you already hit on the three lost, uh, um, defensive offensive lineman they do also return daniel jackson who was their leading wide receiver last year but where this team really gets nervous to me is on their defensive side so uh, this is according to pick six so pick six does a ranking of every position group in the big 10 they have their defensive line ranked eighth their linebackers ranked 12th and their deep backs ranked ninth they don't have a top half unit on this defensive side they have a brutal schedule they lost a lot in that secondary I, and the thing about Minnesota is a little bit similar to... Uh, yeah, but they do have probably one of the best safeties coming back in Tyler Newman. Tyler Newman's a really good player. Definitely is. Um, he's their best defender. But all that to be said is, like, this is a little bit similar story with uh, Illinois. They were ninth in the Big Ten in recruiting last year. Like, this is not a team that is just stacked full of talent. Traditionally... That, that I just think it's a lock that they're just going to rebuild this defense and offensive line automatically. Yeah, but P.J. Fleck does more with less talent than maybe any coach in the Big Ten. Sure, but isn't Mo Ibrahim a part of that? Like, doesn't he make everything a little bit better? Doesn't he make that offensive line look a little bit better and the quarterback look a little bit better? Possibly, but when he got hurt against Ohio State in game one or two last uh, two years ago, I mean, Trey Potts came in and looked like there was no drop-off. And I believe he got hurt at some point in that season. And our third-string guy came in and was still yeah. running the ball. That, that was two years ago. That was two years ago. Well, I mean, okay, but you, you're, you're talking like it's not possible to replace these guys. And I'm not and talking about their offensive he, line. He did it. Yeah. He's done it once. He's, okay, fine. I'll give you their offensive line will be good. I, I'm not saying they're not. But on defense, let's, can we point to their defense? Because how good has that defense been over the last half decade? Well, they gave up PJ. 295 yards offense last year. They had a pretty darn good defense last year. And, and, and let me say, and Mo, how they does, the year before? Mo did not play defense last how year. How were they the year before that? I, I don't know. Again, they, they lost. How many starters did they lose on that off defense last year? I mean, back they're back to back nine win teams. So, I, I, I think this I think this schedule and this roster is is not that Minnesota is going to be a bad team. I, I don't want to make it sound like I think Minnesota is just going to be this bottom dweller in the Big Ten. I think they're they're going to be fine and similar to Illinois, a team that I kind of was jumping all over the board on my games when I was trying to pick them. But I just think that schedule is doing them no favors and i just don't think they have the roster to to overcome it it's not an easy schedule but i don't think this is going to be a bad team Uh, they may not get the they may not get to the nine win mark that they have the last two years but i still think this team is going to be pretty darn good they're formable They're, they're they're a team that no one's going to want to face I, see, I don't think they're going to get a lot of wins. I think their wins are going to be disappointing. I think Minnesota fans are going to be disappointed. But I think as other teams play them week in, week out, 
that this is a team that no one's going to want to face. Yeah. Um, so and and I certainly don't want to face them week one. I, that is a so, horrible time to okay, catch Minnesota. We have to play Minnesota today. In reality, we are playing Minnesota week one. If you were making this schedule, Tyler, where would you rather schedule Minnesota? Like, give me October, November. Okay, so say game eight. You'd rather play yeah. them game eight as opposed to game one. Hundred percent. I, I disagree. I I think with the lack of experience on the offensive line and some of the other positions, I, I, I think you're better off drawing them early than you are later in the season when, when these guys get going. Well, so let's talk about the over-under for Minnesota. We're kind of going long here. So Minnesota... Over under from Circa Circa is set at seven. Unfortunately, I have the push, but we know on this podcast you must take a stand. So I'm going over here. I think there's a better chance that they go over than uh, under. So uh, give me over, Derek. I I actually have a push as well, but if I have to take a stand. I'm going to go opposite of you and say possibly under on this. One. Okay. Well, I do not have them 7-5, and five, and so I don't have to worry about that, and I have them with the under. So, okay. Under. All right. Uh, that brings us to Northwestern, and this is my team. Yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get this. Find, find some good to talk about this team. Oh, well, this is so bad that I'm I'm going to have to start off with the bad. But uh, Northwestern, as we know, 1-11 last year, 1-8 in conference. Their lone win was over Scott Frost last year. Uh, returned four on offense, eight on defense. So here's the bad. we got to address this right away, right? Pat Fitzgerald, he was fired uh, before fall camp, before Big Ten media days over a hazing scandal. Uh, David Braun, he was the defensive coordinator that came in from North Dakota State. They made him the head coach. Uh, continuing with the bad, I mean, this wasn't a very good team. Uh, they lost Evan Hull, their top running back, who was actually pretty good. And they lost their top three wide receivers from last year. Uh, when you, When you look at the good... Uh, not a lot of good. I guess if you want to point to something positive, they brought in an experienced quarterback from Cincinnati in Ben Bryant. He's, he's a pretty decent quarterback, uh, probably better than what they've had in recent years. Uh, Cam Porter, who shows a little bit of uh, flash there at running back, uh, he's he'll replace Evan Hole as their guy. Uh, now, if you want to talk the defense, this is good about the defense. They're gonna they return their top four leading tacklers, uh, led by Bryce Gallagher at linebacker, who is their leading tackler. So the linebackers, they're solid. Just it's not a good team, and it's uh, with everything going on, I just don't I don't see them having a good year at all. Derek, am I wrong? No, not at all. I, I do think Cam Porter is a good running back. 
unfortunately, I don't know if this offensive line is going to be great. They're replacing three of their yeah. five offensive linemen. Uh, I, you know, I Bryce Gallagher doesn't seem like he's been there for a thousand years. Long time. God, it's just, it seems like we've been talking about him forever. Uh, so Ben Bryant is supposed to be the starter, according to Phil Steele. But I was surprised to see that Ryan Holinsky, he has him down all the way down to third string. Well, have you seen Ryan Holinsky play? <laughs> yeah, I have. But it's, to drop that far seemed a little surprising. Who would you take to start a game for you at quarterback? Ryan Holinsky or Spencer Petras? Who would you take? Oh, probably Ryan Hilinski. Tyler, you're nodding as that's the oh, correct 100%. answer? Okay. 100%. Okay. Yeah, there's not there's not a ton of good things to say. I there's there's so much turmoil going on at that in at in that university right now with the Shrek scandal and Wiener car washes. <laughs> yeah, I just that, I it's all it's all a big distraction. I, I can't there's a possibility that I could see maybe, oh, they come out and have a little motivation to prove a little something, but I just, I, I can't, I, I I can't see it. So what I will say is I, everything you guys say, I won't hammer on. I do have some strength. Well, I don't really have any strength written down, but I have some weakness. <laughs> I have more weaknesses written down, but I won't hammer. But what I will say about the strength is I like what I'm hearing out of fall camp about how, even though it's kind of a bad look for the university to be wearing those t-shirts, it does seem like it's bringing them together. And I called them frisky last week. I think they come out the gates in September, October, and they they play some teams tough. And they, they win a couple games. And But but as the season goes on, this this team is just it's not coached well with, with no longer Pat Fitz there. Like, the roster's not good. It hasn't been good. They've gotten by by coaching these guys up. Plus, the the situational All-American first-round pick left tackle. They, they you know, they always have these random guys. They don't have those anymore, the, these all-conference-type guys. So, I I mean, this team isn't good. I mean, let's, let's get to the over-under and move on. Do you totally. believe that this is going to be an honest audition for David Braun? For the head coaching job for 2024? No. No? I mean, I mean, shy of him doing something similar to what Mickey Joseph had to do, like, if he gets him to bowl... If he can get him to a bowl game, sure. But, but that's not realistic. Like, that, that, no, that is... But, I mean, what would surprise you, though? I mean, so the you talked about the over-under. The over-under, according to Circa Circa, is three wins. So does four wins... Does that get him considered no. to be the head coach? No? Okay. I, I would say yes. I mean... Really? Yeah, considering what I have him doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I am an easy under in this. Uh, I don't like this Northwestern team at all. And, I mean, let's let's be real. Even when Pat Fitzgerald was here, a lot of people think he's a really good coach, and I think we all agree with that. But... How would the, how would your predictions have changed had Pitt, Pat Fitzgerald been here? Not much. That, that's what's crazy is mine wouldn't have changed at all. I, I probably would have given him one more win. I, I don't know where. I mean, I, I, that that's tough to say. Um, I guess I'll kind of get to Justin. You said under. I actually have it at a push. 
But if I have to pick which way I would go under, I think the difference if Pat Fitzgerald's there is, you know, I might have had him at that four wins, or I definitely probably would have leaned over um, on that. But yeah, I mean, I would have said, um, but but under the circumstances, I have it a push, but I would bet the under if I had to. Well, I would love to know who you haven't beaten because I have the under easy in this, and I haven't won in two games, and that's only beaten Howard and UTEP. Well, they play Rutgers. They play sure. Rutgers. I'm not 100 percent sure they could beat UTEP. I have Rutgers winning that game. In fact, I have UTEP beating Northwestern. UTEP's, uh, I mean, they're going to be. It, it wouldn't shock me. Too. Wouldn't yeah. shock me one bit. You guys talk shit about my Toledo, and you guys like UTEP over Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. I again. I I. I don't know if you're giving. We're ta- you're talking about the. Downfall of Northwestern compared to the uprising of, of Illinois. Well, let's be... Okay, this uprising of Illinois is... Toledo versus Illinois and UTEP Northwestern. What is more shocking to you? <laughs> Sleeping on Toledo. God, I, I, I'm now, I might be buying stock in Toledo. I might be betting that game. I don't know what that spread is, but... Give me enough points. I might be pulling for a close game there. All right. Derek, you have under, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I had I, one win. Just Howard. I can't see them winning another game. But, they, I mean, it's football. S- stuff happens. But All right, uh, yeah. two more teams to get into. Tyler, you have Purdue. Okay. Well... Welcome to a new era of Purdue football with Ryan Walters taking the helm. Uh, Jeff Brom is no longer there, along with AOC and Charlie Jones. Uh, Payne Durham, they have lost a lot of people. Um, so some th- those are some of the key uh, losses on this team. Um, it will be interesting. They have brought in Hudson Carr uh, from Texas. I'm sorry, Hudson Card from Texas, uh, along with offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, which I did not realize Graham Harrell went there. I did not. Which, I did not know until very recently. Yeah. And I missed which, that headline. Which really put like a cluster in my head in the last week of what the hell I think Purdue is going to look like because Graham Harrell, for people who don't know, is a master of an air raid, which seems like it fits the old Purdue. Um, but under Ryan Walters, I don't know if that fits. Um, Purdue was supposed to return all five offensive linemen, which would have given them a pretty formidable front because they were pretty decent last year, but two of the players end up transferring out. Um, you know, when, when on the defensive side, they had three of their defensive linemen transfer. They had three defensive linemen transferred to power five schools. They lost both of their corners. Um, guys, I, I, I guess to kind of sum it up, I think Purdue's in an identity crisis. I sure as hell don't know what they're going to look like. I'm not convinced they know what they're going to look like. I think Ryan Walters is a good coach. I think he is a guy that to keep a lookout in the next couple of years. I think Graham Harrell is a good offensive coordinator. But I just don't think these pieces all fit together. They've lost too much. They're not talent rich. And we talked about this as other teams. Their schedule. They also grab the daunted Michigan-Ohio State front. I think this is going to be a long year, a steep learning curve for Purdue. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the, the losses from Charlie Jones and some of the tight ends, I just, I just don't think they can mask all of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, they're going to take a step back, but one player that you didn't mention 
was the uh, or maybe I missed it if you did is Devin Mockaby that elbows and knees guy that running back he is fun to watch uh, he had almost a thousand yards rushing yeah, last year he did. he's coming back so you have that dude and you have Graham Harrell and his offensive philosophy philosophy right so do you not use Mockaby in the run game because he was quite effective so. That's going to yeah, be I, an interesting dynamic. You know, if, if you're ranking Big Ten running backs, Big Ten West running backs, I mean, of the guys, teams we have talked about, he might be the best running back of the teams we've talked about so far tonight. Um, yeah, he may I'm be. Just, I'm, I'm, so, I mean, I think, I mean, he is good. And I think Hudson Card is going to be a good quarterback. I think, again, the Big Ten West isn't exactly stacked. I mean, Hudson Card... Under Graham Harrell, could he become the second best quarterback in the West? That's on the table. The problem is, is who are they throwing to? How does this? It feels a little bit like the Scott Frost and Mickey Whipple or Mark Whipple connection. Like it's like, are, is it going to all gel together? It just seems like it's going to be tough to envision that all coming together um, with such a tough schedule. Well, Ryan Walters, he's a defensive guy, right? So him bringing in an air raid guy, it just doesn't really make sense, right? It's kind of like when Sean Watson was kept when Bo Pelini got here. It was it was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Like you're not going to bring in a guy like Tim Beck to run the ball a lot. You're going to keep the guy that wants to air it out. And it, obviously that worked out pretty it worked, well. It year worked one. fine, yeah. There's probably, I mean, that the connections are probably kind of similar there with where Ryan Walters is at this point in the career and where Bo Pelini was. I just, I don't think they have an Adamican Sue on that team to kind of make that defense kind of click the way that uh, Nebraska did. All right, Derek, get in here on Purdue. All right, well, well I, there's one more guy you guys kind of left out, and I, I kind of get it, but T.J. Sheffield. Like he was a good wide receiver. I, I know he was like their third leading receiver, but he was still a good receiver. He still had five hundred, almost five hundred yards receiving last year. This 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 guy wasn't a guy just to scoff at. I, losing Charlie Jones and uh, the uh, it's a big deal. I'm not I'm not saying it's not. I don't know, but I'm with you guys. Like, I don't know what to expect out of this offense. Like. I know Ryan Walters came out and said, well, we want to throw the ball around the field like we did last year. But does a defensive guy really want to do that? Or is that just coach speak? I, because, I think because, you... Because, I, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to me like a, a, a defensive guy is like, yeah, let's throw the ball on the field and go three and out and keep my defense on the field for 40 minutes a game. Well, and And I buy that he wants to do that until... He goes three and out a couple times. I mean, you look at the way they start the Big Ten. They start the Big Ten with Illinois, um, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. And then, obviously, they get Ohio State. But those are teams... I just imagine Wyatt Walters on the sideline, like... We'll see what Wisconsin brings to the table. But, like, why aren't you doing what they're doing? Can Can I... Can we, like, not have the defense on the field for 39 minutes? Like, I just think that act is gonna grow really thin it's, very quickly. Hey, you might as well have kept on going because it's not an easy conference schedule because they have at, it's not a, at it's, Michigan it's not an as easy well. Non-conference schedule. 
They have the toughest schedule in the conference. Yeah. I mean, you look okay. at the every way everything stacks up. I mean, the, the crossover games, obviously they get Indiana, which is a blessing. I, I know I said I think Illinois is the toughest non-conference schedule. Purdue probably is the second toughest. You're still not backing off of the Illinois thing, you stubborn (laughs) son of a bitch. I'm stubborn. How good is Syracuse? I'm I'm taking the fact that two Power 5 teams in your non-conference is tougher than a MAC team and whoever the hell else Illinois plays. Okay. Miles Farmer is going to be familiar with Purdue. Miles Farmer went to uh, Syracuse. Syracuse. He transferred, so... If you're watching that game, maybe you'll see some Miles Farmer action in that one. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. It, it it's just, I mean, that schedule. As I look at that more, I mean, for people that don't have it in front of them, they start the year at home against Fresno State. They go to Virginia Tech. They get Syracuse at home. I mean, they get Wisconsin. Sy- Syracuse was at least seven and six last year. Yeah, they were a decent team. I mean, they, I mean, they, they were. They were they had a good defense. They started man. the year. They started the year good. Unfortunately, we took their defensive coordinator. But yeah, we'll see what they do this year. I don't think anyone's high on Syracuse this year, though. I think Syracuse is like. No, I get it, and I'm not back to Syracuse. Yeah, I, I think people are expecting them to finish near the bottom of the ACC. But but then but they get Wisconsin at home, Illinois wow, at, home, I, at I, Iowa, Ohio State, at Nebraska, at Michigan, Minnesota, at Northwestern. And again, I talked about this earlier. Like those games against you know Nebraska and Northwestern, you, you know, like you want those are games you should win on a new or compete in a neutral field. Not put Nebraska in that, but like when you have to go on the road to Northwestern, that all of a sudden becomes a little bit more of a scary matchup. I mean, so th- there's not a lot of easy wins on this schedule. No. And Vegas does not think highly of Purdue either. Uh, Circa Circa has the over-under set at 4.5. I have the under for Purdue this year. Derek? I have the under. I, I have them winning three games this year. Yep. We're aligned. Three games. Okay. I, I did have them at four games. Uh, I'm going to go back and talk about the, <laughs> the one game that I know that's separating it. Because Tyler... You talked about it, talking about Minnesota. And I have Minnesota actually going on the road losing to uh, Purdue. That's the that's the only separator. I think and, we and probably you have agree. Minnesota still getting the seven wins with that loss. Yeah. I mean that that is intriguing. Yeah. Like in Minnesota. Well, but not against Purdue. Not against Purdue. Not <laughs> against Purdue. That error rate's going to get them. But, all right, final team, Wisconsin. And, Derek, that's you. All right, so Wisconsin was, was to me, is prop. To, this is the team to me that's hardest to read. Tyler talks about Illinois being so hard to read. I think Wisconsin's the hardest team to read. Now, they have a lot return on offense. They have a lot return on defense. They have a good quarterback in Tanner Mordecai coming in. Great quarterback. But I just don't know that they're set up. Like, their receivers, everybody, I know a lot of people are talking about their receivers being good, but according to Phil Steele, two of the projected projected starters at receiver are Will Pauling, who came in from uh, Cincinnati, 
and he had 12 receptions last year. The other one they have is C.J. Williams, who's a very high recruit out of U.S. that came that's transferred out of USC, but he had four receptions last year. Like you don't know what you're getting out of either one of those two guys, really. Uh, you you do get Shamir Dyke coming in, and he did lead Wisconsin last year in receptions, yards, and touchdowns with six touchdowns and 689 yards. But this is going to be an air. It's more of an air raid offense because that's what Phil Longo is. And so you have to wonder: Is he going to use Braylon Allen the way Braylon Allen should be used? Because you need to run the ball a lot with Braylon Allen, who's probably the second or third, at least bottom third best uh, running back in the Big Ten. Second best was where I'd probably put him. Uh, he's probably behind Blake Corum, but he, he's definitely up there. Uh, defensively, they have a lot returning as well, but you lost Jim Leonard, and I don't know how that bodes for Wisconsin. Uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of question marks with this team. I, they do have a fairly easy schedule for their first five games. Uh, but then it starts getting pretty tough when you start getting Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. They kind of get a break with Indiana and Northwestern, maybe Nebraska, and then going to Minnesota. I I don't, I don't think they completely fall apart, but I, I don't I don't I'm not buying into the media's they're automatically winning the West conversation. I I don't I don't I don't know that I'm buying into that. All right, Tanner, I'll let you go. Well, you talked about Tanner Mordecai. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into Justin's boy here because Tanner Mordecai has played some Power 5 football against some teams or t- played against some Power 5 teams. And I, I 14, uh, I believe the stat was, uh, oh, and I just lost it. Take your time. It's a podcast. I mean, we can just pause the uh, okay. recording here. <laughs> mo- mo- I'll... I'll, I'll- I'll pull it back up. But Tanner Mordecai in the spring game, how many interceptions did he throw? Did anybody know? I believe he threw at least three in the in this. Uh, at least is wrong. I he threw four. Four, yeah. four interceptions in the, the spring. So this guy has thrown a lot. Uh, he has a losing record against Power 5 opponents, whatever it was his, uh, in his career. Uh, so, yes, he put up some numbers at SMU. That's whatever was buying the hype off of. I think that the hype train is way overblown for him. I think he is... In that pack with Jeff Sims and Hudson Card and Big Ten quarterback rankings, I think that he is just a mediocre quarterback. The, what, what's good about this team is Braylon Allen. Like, that that's this special guy on this team. And, and you don't even know if Phil Longo is going to use him. I, I think they will. I think Paul uh, – not Paul Chris. Gosh darn it. We need to end this early tonight. I, I can't get anyone's name Drink right. Drink more bourbon. Uh, Wait, yeah, wait, no wait, wait. You get people's names right? <laughs> I, every once in a while. Uh, hey, his bourbon was half full, remember? That's right. Eventually. Look, Fickle, I think, is too good of a coach to not use Braylon Allen the way that needs to be done. Uh, the problem is, like, the wide receivers are fine, like, but the offensive line at Wisconsin isn't what the offensive line how, has how been. How could you sit here and say the, off, the, the wide receivers are fine? I just told you how many receptions they had. I mean, 
according to. Uh, I mean, if, if that was the, Nebraska, the, the, they're, they're, they're if weapons. that was Nebraska, you they're, would be shitting on these wide receivers. Okay. for only having four and twelve wide receptions the, last year. I mean, the the according to Pick Six previews, they have the number three wide receiver tight end group in the Big Ten. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Phil Steele has. I, I'm looking that unit ranked four. So I mean, okay. mo- the I, national publication likes them. So they're good on the running back. They're good at wide receivers. Their offensive line isn't what Wisconsin used to be. But the thing that's really troubling to me about this Wisconsin team is that defense. Uh, again, pick six previews has zero all-conference players for Wisconsin. And Jim Leonard is one of the best or was one of the best defensive coordinators in the Big Ten. We've seen teams lose that type of guy, a.k.a. Northwestern, and completely fall off the map. So I do think there is a there's a world where this defense is very average. So while this offensive line could be a little bit better than average, like I just think that this team is shockingly going to get by on their wide receivers, running backs, and quarterback play and head coach. Like that's what's going to make this team I mean, and schedule. And here's the here's the other thing. Like three of their projected starters, according to Phil Steele. Are Cincinnati guys, and Cincinnati, while they were in the playoff two years ago, wasn't near as good last year. And so I don't know that bringing in two offensive linemen from Cincinnati is top notch. And then your your one of your wide receivers that had twelve receptions last year came in from Cincinnati. I mean, they still returned three, uh, three. Three of their top three receivers off of last year's team. And I want to go back to the running backs. Yeah, we, we talked about Braylon Allen. But there was a pretty nice one-two punch there with Ches Malusi also, who's also back. And so they got to use that, they gotta are, are use that running game. Are you expecting him to run the ball? What's that? Are you expecting him to run the ball? Because I don't... Not Phil like Longo Wisconsin. Not, not the type... I mean, Phil Longo is a straight... I mean, he he is, uh, God dang, I can't say his name. The uh, Mike Leach disciple, like he came off of Mike Leach's coaching staffs. How crazy would it be if the Big Ten West, which is going away this year, obviously, but uh, teams start going into like the air raid, and you bring in some uh, uh, West Coast teams also. But I just I just feel like I just feel like was this Wisconsin team and maybe maybe it works out better for them in the long run but it just feels like going from Frank Solich to Bill Callahan to it, me. It certainly does. It but but the and the thing that you hit on Derek that I, I ultimately come back to is I think there's enough talent still on this team to to find a way and this schedule they do get Ohio State but they also get Rutgers in Indiana. So, like, I mean, they, they get the lux of the draw. Their non-conference isn't scary at all. I mean, they did lose to Washington State last year, but I do expect them to avenge that loss. Like, I did, so I, I don't know. I think... I, I don't know. They lost to Washington State at home. Now they got to go on the road. Okay. Makes it a little tougher. I Look, I, I agree. I, I think they probably win that game, but I thought they'd win it last year, too. Yes or no? Will Wisconsin have a 1,000-yard rusher this year? No. Yes. I say yes also. I, it, I don't think they will. 
I think Vickle's too good of a coach. I, I think it, Phil it, Longo is going to be too bullheaded, and he will try to throw the ball entirely too much. I, I must say they won't throw it too much. I'm just saying that they're not going to throw it enough where there isn't going to be enough touches. I, I just if, if they if if they get a thousand yard rusher, it's going to be just over a thousand, not the twelve, fourteen, sixteen hundred yard rushes sure. they have at Wisconsin. Sure, but yeah, it, it'll be close. I'm not saying he won't use Braylon Allen. At all, but I, it'll be close. I, I I could see him getting eight, nine, hundred, maybe maybe a thousand, but I think a thousand's like max. Look, look, yeah, let's all get right. this over. So Circus Circa has the over under set at eight point five. I have over. I like this Wisconsin team. Uh, I, I like them a lot. I think that their offense is going to do some really good things. I think their defense is going to be just fine, and the. Easy over for me. I have about 10 games. Um, oh, no, I don't care. Good. Whoever wants to go. All right. Well, I I do have them at the over uh, slightly. I have them at nine wins. I, 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 it wouldn't shock me to see the under on this. Yeah, this is a but stay I, away. But I did see it, but I did have them at over. I think their schedule sets up well for them. Yeah, this is a stay away. Illinois was the toughest. This is the second toughest. So, Derek, I'm with you. Like, there's a lot of uncertainty with this team. Wouldn't bet this, but I would, if I had to, I would go over. So, you have it nine games also. What is more likely, 10 or nine in your eyes? Nine. I'm, I'm sorry, 10 or eight. I'm sorry. You had nine. 10 or eight? Eight. I don't think they, I don't think they have a shot in hell of getting the 10. Okay. Derek, what about you? I, I agree. I, eight's much more likely than ten. I think seven's more likely than ten. To be honest, I, I I just I think that they they feel like a nine and three team. That's what they feel like. You know, that's I feel like that's really a. But it, if if it doesn't hit that, it it goes sideways. I think that's I think it could go sideways for Wisconsin this year. All right, keep talking for a moment because I'm pulling Adam McClintock's uh, ratings. He just. Adam McClintock, the CFB professor, he just sent out his uh, fall preview. And I, I am very curious on what he has for Wisconsin here as uh, ceiling and floor. So his record ceiling is uh, 11-1, and one, and the record floor is 8-4. and four. Uh, He has them projected at 10-2, and two, but yeah, C- ceiling 11-1 and 4-8-4. Yeah, and four. Yeah, I, again, Justin, I'm just not buying the Tanner. I, I think that you tell Adam McClintock he's wrong, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that he's crazy. I'm just, I mean, I think we're. I, I got him one less win. I just, I think the floor. Here's here's a bold prediction: either Minnesota, Illinois, or Wisconsin will miss a bowl. One of those three teams is missing a bowl this year. Illinois, Wisconsin, or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. One of those three teams are not bowling. Now, I think it's going to be Minnesota if I had to pick the three, but it, it could easily be Wisconsin. It could be easy Illinois. I just think there's a lot of uncertainty around all three of those programs heading into this year. Um, and I think at least one of them, they go really bad sideways. Okay. Yeah, we we will see. So, all right. So, we have gone long. we got to wrap this up here. Uh, we are not... Obviously, we're not talking about Nebraska. We'll talk about Nebraska next week in our preview episode. Uh, 
then I guess we will offer a Big Ten West standings because we can't give it right now because we haven't talked about Nebraska. So we'll do that next week. So, uh, you guys, have any parting shots that you want to offer? Good to go. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Special thanks to our producer Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.